0: So I'm going to continue this morning through our How We Change series. and This is a series that we started at the beginning of the year because we wanted to figure out how we as Christians, um, pursuing Jesus, pursuing being discipled by Him, pursuing um, becoming more Christ-like, how do we actually get there and how do we change? So that's why we are doing this series called How We Change. In the first part of the series, what we did is we focused on everything that God does in shaping us to be more like Jesus. We spoke about God's love for us. We spoke about the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, about how we can abide in God and how we can fix our gaze on Him in order to figure out what we need to become, how we need to become more Christ-like. And the second part, Grant spoke, uh, started last week, the second part of our series, we're going to be focusing on our role in how we change. So first was what God does and how we change, how we become more Christ-like, and now it's actually our role and our part in how we figure out how we change and be transformed into the image of Jesus and be a disciple of Him. So this morning we're going to be talking about the community, which is the church, which is the context and how we change as Christians as disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. I've grown up in the church. Uh, My earliest memories of the church are going to kids' church, um, growing up, going to youth. Evolving out of youth into a youth leader, going to a student ministry at university stage. Um, I can remember my parents attending and dragging us to church on a Sunday morning. Some days we didn't want to go, we missed mini crickets or whatever it might have been. And other moments I remember going to a midweek church meeting in somebody's home where it wasn't a big church context, it was a home group or a group of people meeting together, eating together, opening up the Bible together, praying for one another, encouraging one another. These are some of my early church memories growing up in the church. And we were kind of come out of a group where even that group of people met for 10 to 15 years together as they journeyed in life together In pursuit of Jesus in pursuit of becoming more like him But all through my experiences of church and my my lens of every single age as I grew up as I experienced different things I was always surrounded by the same group of people by the same group of people going through the same stage life with me experiencing Jesus in a very similar way And don't get me wrong, growing up in the church was an incredible privilege. I was able to see young kids grow up, learn instruments, and become worship leaders. I was able to see how people shared their lives together, how they actually asked Jesus to come and help them in certain situations, as they shared their sins and their struggles, and they grew and matured into something that resembles Jesus. I saw people grow up and mature in a larger church context. But growing up in the church, my parents being leaders in the church, I often felt like I was seen as John and Glynn's son, which is both an honour, but also an hindrance. It was a hindrance to me because I had an insecurity of that's how people in the church saw me. You are John and Glynn Cole's son. You are not Brendan. So when I got out of high school, went into a life group or a home group, um, and I joined a group of people who were completely different to me. I was young. I was single. And all of the other people in the group, there was a newly married couple slightly older than ours. There was another couple slightly older than them with two young kids. There was another much older couple with very strange kids in their group. And then there's a much older couple who had kids but had already left home. And we were kind of this group of people who were meeting together in an incredible couple's home who had three kids. They were in their early 40s. And they were just amazing people. So I joined this group because of the leaders, not necessarily the people in the group. So... I learned a lot, I felt a lot uh, of, I felt very out of my depth, because no one in the group was very similar to me. What was amazing is actually I learned more about Jesus being in this life group or this home group than I ever did in my previous years growing up in the church. Because in this life group, I saw people share their lives with one another. In this group, I began to see how actually we celebrated milestones, we celebrated highs and lows of, of different things that happened in people's lives. People were Honest about what they were going through, what Jesus was speaking to them about. People were honest about actually the struggles that they were going through, and we we prayed for one another, we encouraged one another, and I began to see Jesus' community being lived out in this life group of people who are completely different to who I was. What was amazing to me is that the hosts couple of this group loved each and every single person, no matter how different they were to the next. I think what I felt is I felt discipled in this group as every single week, week after week, I was just pointed to Jesus time and time again. Whether it was somebody else sharing, whether it was me sharing, whether it was the leader sharing, I was just being pointed to Jesus time and time again. As we lived through a group and a weekly routine of people walking together, journeying together on a path that actually is being discipled by Jesus so that they could be more Christ-like. Because growing up in the church, I learned a lot about who Jesus was. But when I was a part of this life group, I actually began to learn about who the person of Jesus is and who he was for me. And maybe you've had a similar scenario. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've experienced church in a larger context like this. Maybe you've experienced church in a life group, small group meeting where you go and visit somebody's home during the middle of the week. Whatever it is, I believe that community is something that changes us because God is at work through our lives through the church, through people, shaping and transforming who we are. Even though we live in a world that is riddled with sin, that is riddled with brokenness, God is renewing all of creation in the church and through the church. Our goal in is, is discipleship uh, is Jesus, and we want to follow Him, we want to become more like Him, we want to do what He did. But the reality is we, we can't be that unless we actually put some of our own efforts into it. It's not going to come passively. Because being a part of a community requires effort on our part to get involved, to commit, to actually partner with one another, encouraging one another, sacrificing with one another, committing to one another, and being a part of a journey on discipleship towards Jesus Christ. It requires us to do the very cliche thing of doing life together. And only then are we actually going to understand what community is. Only then are we actually going to be in a context where Jesus is able to engage with us through the church, through his people, and God can come and do something in our lives. So what I'd love to look at, if you've got your Bibles with you, is turn to Acts chapter 2, looking at a verse 42 to 47 this morning. It's basically speaking about a community that shapes and is being transformed by Jesus. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And what we can see here in this community is that they are devoted to one another. It says they were devoted to one another. They were committed to one another and in practicing the disciplines and practicing the ways of Jesus together. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So they were devoted to one another, they were committed to each other, and they are devoted to each other in terms of practicing the ways of Jesus. And if we're honest, in today's modern age, we live in a society that has been labeled the pencil society, because we have a sense of FOMO, this fear of missing out, of maybe something better that could come along. But we can actually just pencil in things to our diary, because it will be easy to erase them and write something else in. We've been labeled the Vulcro generation because we can very easily attach ourselves to something and remove ourselves away from something when we don't like it and we can run away. But actually, this culture is built on the false reality that we can have this perception of commitment and community, but it's not true and authentic community. Because a true and authentic community requires commitment that is long term, that is not pencil generation, that is not Vulcro society. It calls for us to focus our time, our energy, and our resources into being committed to one another. But the reality of committing to community is hard. Loving people is hard. It takes time. It takes effort. It requires trust to build with one another. Often we feel like we want to be a part of a community, but we also want to have it with an easy access. When it's convenient for us, we don't want to have to commit to something. Rather, when we're not busy, we can just attend a situation. We can pop into life group. We can pop into church. We can commit to something when it's convenient for us. But we can see that the church in Acts chapter 2 is devoted to one another. They are committed. There are people who are committed and not just convenient. Without commitments, the church that we see in Acts chapter 2 is not possible. I live in verse 46 where it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. It's talking about two different situations. One where they came regularly to attend church together, to hear the teachings of the apostles, to see God come and do incredible things in a large corporate context. But there's also this reality of they take out of that context and they go into a midweek meeting like we do here at Harbor City. We call it life groups. That's how we facilitate small groups meeting in homes all around the city. And they broke bread in their homes together. They shared meals together. They consistently spend time together week after week, day after day. And as they did that, they began to form deep, meaningful friendships with one another. I think we've got to question ourselves and say, do we prioritize friendship? Do we prioritize spending time with people? Do we prioritize actually committing to a weekly a schedule and routine of attending church together as well as life group and connecting with people whether it be playing sports together exercising having a cup of coffee or inviting somebody to our homes are we intentionally building our lives and being committed and devoted to one another as a community i think the reality is that we can't say that we attend church and are committed if we come once a month and we just like our instagram page that's not consistent commitment And you heard earlier, Keegan said, we're a people who love Jesus, we love people, and we love food. We often say that here at church. And we we say that because we love Jesus, because without Jesus, none of us would be meeting here in this room today. We love people because you guys are incredible. Because the people in this community are amazing. And let's face it, we all just love food. (laughs) But we say that more because actually we understand that food is something that is able to facilitate relationships and facilitate community. Sharing a meal together is so much more engaging than our casual Sunday catch-ups of, hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm busy, but I'm good. Who's sick and tired of those conversations? Raise your hands. I am. Because the reality is community is not going to be built on a casual Sunday catch-up session over a coffee. But actually, community is going to be built over we share a meal together with a lengthy period of time when we actually find out about what we're going through, how our days are, how our weeks are, what our struggles are. And as we spend more and more time together, we begin to develop friendships that are deep and meaningful. And there are practicalities to this. Time is finite. Relational capacity is finite. We can't do everything and be everywhere. But what are we prioritizing and are we being intentional with the time that we have and the relational capacity that we have in order to be committed to a community? Deep and meaningful relationships require time, as I've said, but they also require vulnerability. It requires us to be able to share our lives with one another. If we keep everything at surface level, we're never going to be the kind of people who we phone when the car is broken down on the side of the road. Because that's just your, hey, I'm good, I'm busy, but I'm good, catch up kind of conversation on a Sunday. But actually, we need to be vulnerable about both the joys that we experience in life, the highs. But also the lows are we being vulnerable with one another about the things that we're struggling with in our lives when there's family pressure friendship pressure work pressure what are we talking about who are we engaging with who are we opening up our lives to are we sharing about the sins in our lives that we struggle with that actually we really really cannot go a day without and we need somebody to help us and to confess our sins to and talk to and encourage us and point us back to jesus We need to be humble in our approach of how we engage with people as we share our lives with them. Because being humble is realizing that actually I need help. And as much as I need help, I know that people around me need help as well. In James 5, verses 16, it says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's not just good advice saying, hey, just go and tell people all of the bad things that happen in your life. It's saying actually go and engage with somebody. Share the things that you are struggling with so that they can pray for you and you can actually be healed. That you can find healing with the things that you are struggling with. All of us are sinners. None of us are perfect. We've all got stuff that we are battling with. But it takes us to dedicate time and commit to one another and be devoted to one another. But the second step is the step of actually stepping out and being vulnerable with one another. We all mess up regularly. We all mess up often. Are we confessing our sins to one another often and regularly? Maintaining those relationships and being real about who we are and what we're going through. Because in authentic gospel-shaped communities, we should be extending grace to one another when people share their lives, their burdens, their struggles with us. And as people do that, we can remind them about the hope that they find in Jesus. We can remind them about the forgiveness that they find in Jesus. We can encourage them. We can lift their heads. We can pray for them that they might be healed. In Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So this is basically challenging us to say, you know what, how are we going to go out and encourage one another? How are we spurring one another on towards love and good deeds? How do we go out and encourage one another? Because actually when we're humble about our struggles, when we're vulnerable about the things that we're going through, we can find a community of people who encourages us, who loves us, who actually has the grace enough to listen to what we're going through. We ran a life group a couple of years ago used to meet in our house in Winmore Road just behind DPHS and I'll never forget the evening where I mean we used to have lots of laughs lots of fun I think like that's one of Kimmy and I's strengths I love to play games and some people in our group didn't but that's fine and we had lots of fun as a group but, but when people were crying at, at laugh group you knew that things got real when tears were shed you knew that things got real and there was one evening where I'll never forget where somebody was opening up about something that he was going through he was bearing his soul about his insecurities, about his struggles, about something that actually he was really struggling with. And as he began to share, the whole room goes quiet. As people graciously listened. As people who loved and cared for him wanted to understand what was going on in his heart. As people wanted to understand his struggle. And as he began to unravel the story about some of his insecurities, some of the things that he was walking through, the struggles that he was having, he broke the tension in the room by looking to the ceiling and he said, it's not crying if the, te- if the tears don't leak out. And I think there's this bravado inside some of us that sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable. He was, and it was such a beautiful moment. And as the tension broke, we just gathered around him, we laid hands on him, we prayed for him and we encouraged him. And as an incredible moment actually as he just shared his heart that actually groups uh, the group of people around him just loved him graciously, encouraged him and pointed him to Jesus. That's what these two scriptures are calling us to do. In community, actually, how are we loving and encouraging each other and pointing each other to Jesus? Because we want to be discipled to Jesus. We want to be created the image of Christ. How are we changing ourselves in community to become more Christ-like? Not only in communities are we able to be vulnerable and share our lives together and encourage one another. I think the thing I love about community is people are able to point out our blind spots points out the things in our lives that are actually not okay the things that are a bit sinful that maybe we have no idea what we're doing that we are involved in so in this same life group one Tuesday evening uh, I made a really silly comment and it deeply offended somebody so Wednesday morning I got a phone call from that person, it's a phone call that was incredibly uncomfortable but one that was massively necessary for us um, as friends and for the group to actually have This person who was offended by something that I had said very, very graciously explained their side of the situation to me. I was shocked by how stupid my comment was, by how massively I had offended them, and i would learnt in that moment actually that I'm not as perfect as I am, that maybe my brash comments, my silly little jokes actually are incredibly hurtful. But more than that, as he so graciously and tenderly shared with me the situation that he had perceived that had happened the night before. I was actually reminded about the grace that we receive from Jesus because he did so so graciously. In our engagements and our discussion about the way that I had offended him, he had all rights to come back at me even worse, to actually come back at me with a comment, to remind me about some of the things that I had said or what I had done. But instead, he so graciously just said, listen, you hurt me. This is what you said and how you said it. And, you know, that's not okay. I was reminded about the, the grace that Jesus shows each and every single one of us. It was an amazing moment in our life group, in our community. A couple weeks go past. Wednesday morning comes. I see his name phoning me again. I suddenly think, oh no, what did I say last night? Please no, did I offend him again? I haven't learned from my mistake. Are we going to have another one of those awkward conversations? So that's what's going through my brain. And he proceeds to tell me about how when they left life group the night before, he and his wife had a conversation about one of the two of the blind spots in his life that he hasn't been able to see. And he began to ask me to speak into his life and just say, listen, we had this discussion. I just want to get another perspective. Can you help me? Can you actually engage with me? Can you come and tell me some of the things that I need to change in order to become more like Jesus? This thing is massively annoying. (laughs) I so apologize that it keeps dropping down. And I was, I was amazed at his, his humility in being able to ask that somebody actually might be able to give him perspective. And I was honored that he had asked me to do so. And we sat down and we had a coffee. But I think it's just amazing to see that actually in groups, um, if we look at Proverbs 27 verse 17, it says this. It says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And in Proverbs 27 verse 6, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. That actually as we engage in community, as we engage in groups, we're able to help each other see things that maybe are stumbling blocks in order for us to become more like Jesus. That actually in our journey towards being more Christ-like, that people can help us remove obstacles that are stop us from getting there. As we engage with one another, as we may offend and forgive one another, as actually we live lives together, that actually we can help and encourage one another to be more Christ-like. And if I had to go back to Hebrews 10, it says... Let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deed, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You see, when I offended this person in our life group, he very could have easily run away, left the group, left the church, never come back. Because that's the easy option. That's the vulcro option. That's the pencil generation. That actually is not about commitments, It's about me, myself. How do I get out of this quickly in order to preserve self? But he came back and had a phone call that wasn't easy, that was difficult to engage It was confrontational, but it was done so in love and grace and truth. We had a second conversation that was incredibly helpful for him because he wasn't in the habit of running away. Are we committing to our communities, whether it be our life groups, whether it be our churches, that actually when things get difficult, are we committing to change and grow because that's what Jesus enables us to do in the context of the local church? One of the things that I loved most about our life group is the fact that our life group was made up of different people with different experiences, different occupations, different ages, all with different experiences of Jesus. And week after week as we met, people would discuss about the things that they were going through, the things that God was teaching them, the ways that Jesus was loving them. And through that, I was able to experience Jesus in a completely different way to anything that I've ever known before. Because I had never experienced Jesus the way that that person had. I had never heard a prayer prayed like that person had. Because in life groups, we get to see how Jesus engages with different people in real and authentic ways that is so completely different to how we experience Jesus. I was able to see different personalities come out and different facets of Jesus being experienced by the people that I love, that I meet with on a weekly basis. That is one of the things I love most about life groups, is actually seeing that Jesus is alive and engaged in people's groups. In people's lives and as they began to speak and share something encourages you and teaches you about who Jesus is that you might never have known before life groups are not just interest groups we all dress the same we all play the same sport we all like the same music actually life groups are made up of different groups of people who are on a journey towards being more Christ-like being discipled like Jesus to become more like him who have different experiences and we walk with each other we do life together we encourage one another we help remove stumbling blocks in terms of our journey towards Jesus. Because we're on a journey together. And that's what committing to community looks like. If we turn back to Acts chapter 2, these, this is a church who is com- showing their commitment to one another by caring for each other. In verse 44 to 45 it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the, the proceeds to all as any had need. It's an amazing passage. Because in this church, there were contributors and not consumers. There were people who had committed so much to the church that they sold some of their possessions in order to release finances that they might be able to buy things for the people who were in need. It's an incredible, incredible thing. I've seen that happen in this church. I've seen people buy groceries for people who are struggling to afford um, how to live on a monthly basis. I've seen people pay for students' outstanding school fees in order that they might be able to graduate. I've seen people take people into their homes when they didn't have a place to stay. I've seen somebody who was wrongfully accused and put into prison for a weekend be visited by people who loved him, who went to go and pray with him and encourage him and take him food just so that he would be able to make it through the weekend. They took time out of their own diaries to be able to drive and go and visit him and love him and encourage him. I've seen a life group throw a wedding reception for a person who couldn't afford a wedding. They gave of their own finances to somebody else because they were in need. I've seen people hold up a couple who were in the pain of not being able to birth a child for years. And people loved them and encouraged them. I've seen people meet up with somebody who was on the brink of committing suicide. Who came and showed them and reminded them that Jesus loves them and encouraged them and pointed them to Jesus. Jesus. And said, actually, please don't do this. And God used those people to intervene and minister in a moment that actually he would have lost his life that night. These are just some of the things that we see in this community, Harbor City, of people stepping out like the early church and caring for one another because they are committed to the community. Because we are committed to caring and loving for each other. Personally, a couple of years ago I went through a retrenchment process, I had no idea what to do, where I stood from a legal perspective. Somebody arrived at our house and just sat us down. They brought us dinner. They said, don't worry about that for the night. And this is some of the counsel that I can give you from my experiences and from what I know about the law. And it was a way that was so practical but ministered to us massively. And I think that God uses people to minister to one another. He comforts and encourages us through different people's actions as we engage and commit to community. He uses people to correct us and speak in truth, love, and grace into our lives when maybe we're going down the wrong path. God is working through His people and He's equipping them with different spiritual gifts as He empowers them with the Holy Spirit to minister to one another, to care for one another, to equip the church and becoming more like Jesus. Because a committed church who is practicing the ways of Jesus together creates an environment for God to be at work in our lives because we're on a journey towards being more Christ-like as we pursue Jesus, as we pursue being a disciple of Him, as we pursue being, we're doing exactly what He did on earth. And this is the kind of community, the church, we are called to be. As we look at Acts chapter 2, we're inspired by it. We want to be part of that church. And we look at it and we go, wow, that is an incredible community of people. And the Bible gives us this great, grand vision of community. But if we're honest about it, it's not always so easy to live out that community. Because in reality, the church is made up a whole bunch of human beings. Human beings that might offend us, human beings that might not invite us to something, human beings that might do something that massively offends us and hurts us. We face challenges when it comes to community because community is made up of so many different groups of people. And biblical community is not a polished, perfect, curated photo of glamorous people all sipping coffee out there by the tree. Sometimes the community that we are surrounded by, even though there are people around us, we might still feel completely alone and in pain, but no one knows what's going on inside of our hearts. And unfortunately, the advancements of social media and all the things that we get connected to and that come flying at us in terms of content have unfortunately increased our loneliness that exists in the church today. In her book, Alone Together, which is subtitled, Why We Expect More From Technology and Less Than From Others, Sherry Turkle says this. She says, We are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections may offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Our network life allows us to hide from each other even as we are tethered to each other. We would rather text than talk. But when technology engineers intimacy, relationships can be reduced to mere connections, and then easy connection becomes redefined as intimacy. And the reality is we're involved in more and more uh, connections. I remember friends of mine having a competition. How many friends do you have on Facebook? One, 1,113. One, 1,250. But in reality, are they even friends? They're acquaintances. They're digital connections that actually don't amount to real, authentic community in our modern day and age with our phones and computers, we're able to curate what people see, who we are, the things that we do, the people we follow, the things that we like. We are able to perfectly curate how we put ourselves out there on the internet in order to establish connection. But that actually just, what it does is just creates loneliness. It's scary that in a time when we're able to be more connected, be able to phone anyone at any time and talk about anything, The reality is that we're actually more lonely than we ever have been. Social media offers us vague relationships that are a cheap imitation of authentic community. An American survey was done where they found that one in four people said they are feeling lonely. One in four people. The UK made a massive move as they have now established a new position within their government for somebody called the Minister of Loneliness to try and combat the loneliness that exists inside of that country. It is a huge political move as it recognizes the need and desire of its country to actually combat loneliness. Loneliness has a profound impact on our lives. And Mother Teresa, before she passed away, said this: she said, Loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. As people isolate themselves, even though they're surrounded by people, they're surrounded by community. Actually, maybe you're feeling lonely. Maybe you're feeling isolated. Maybe you're feeling like nobody actually understands who you are. Maybe because of those things, you've got a view of, actually, I'm happy with me and Jesus. I've got my Bible. I'm happy with my one-on-one relationship with God. I don't need people. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's easier. And if we look back at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we see that God was creating different things, We see that He created the world and He said that it was good. We created animals and He said that it was good. He created night and day. He created the waters. He created the land. And after God creates all these things, He said, and it is good. But then God creates man. And He said, it is not good that man should be alone. And in this context, we know that God is talking about marriage. He creates Eve for Adam. But in reality, we also see that mankind and humans are hardwired to exist in community. Because it is not good that man should be alone. In Genesis 1 verse 26, God says this. It said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Because we are a people who are made in God's image. We are a people made in God's likeness. God exists in community with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Trinity, in constant community. And we were made in His image, hardwired to exist in community. So sometimes we have this view of actually, it's easier for me to exist by myself It's just me and my relationship with God, and I'm okay with that. But the reality is that God designed us in a different way to exist in community with other human beings in the church context, in which we would be able to be discipled and made more into the image of Jesus Christ. The community is difficult, it's messy, it's inconvenient, it takes time. It's hard because it involves a diverse group of people from different ages and races and genders, different backgrounds. They live in different places. They earn different amounts of money. They all have different interests and hobbies and different humors. But the thing that unites all of us is actually our shared love of Jesus Christ. And our call to follow him and be more like him and be discipled into something of Christ likeness. We need to be committed to the community, we need to be committed to the church. As we look at the life of Jesus, we see that actually we understand what commitment is because He did the truest thing in terms of committing to the cross. He came down from heaven, endured a horrible death, and committed to death on a cross in order that we could be reconciled to Jesus. We can see commitment displayed in the life of Jesus Christ. He ensured that we are both justified in salvation because we can believe in Him and be completely forgiven of our sins, and we can be sanctified as we walk a journey of becoming more like Jesus. Jesus We see His commitment to the cross. And we've got to think for ourselves, how are we being committed to the church? How are we committing our lives to become more like Him? I've spoken a lot about loneliness. And you think, well, you you might be talking about community this morning, Brendan, that's all good and well, but you don't understand how lonely I am. You don't understand the things that I've experienced in church, in my life. Actually, nobody even phones me. I am incredibly lonely. Jesus knew what it meant to be lonely. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he calls a couple of closest disciples. He says, come and pray with me before I go and endure this cross, this painful death that actually I, I need to go and do so that I can reconcile humankind to God. He says, come and pray with me so that I'll have strength to endure the cross. And his friends fall asleep and they leave him to pray by himself. God, Jesus knew what it was like to be lonely. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the people that he grew up with had turned away from him. Some of his disciples had completely dissociated themselves from him. In a moment where the sin of the world comes upon his shoulders, even God turns away from Jesus because he can't bear the sight of him. Jesus knew what loneliness feels like. But he doubts so that, number one, we could have our sins forgiven. Number two, so we can be reconciled to God. But he also died so that we would be able to enter into the family of God, being adopted as sons and daughters into his family, into his kingdom, having brothers and sisters who are on a journey with us towards Christ's likeness, that actually the lonely would be able to be set into families as we endure relationship with people in community, as we commit to one another, as we commit to Jesus and being a disciple of his, so that we would never have to be alone. And the reality is that we live in a world... That is not great that is broken that is sinful and the devil has plans to mess with our relationships He wants to cause disunity among the community of churches He wants to brew offense and unforgiveness in our hearts that cause us to isolate ourselves and not to be part of a community He wants us to feel unloved misunderstood and unknown Because he knows that actually when people are in community and they pursue Jesus together That they are going to be discipled into something of Christ likeness into the image of Jesus That they will be living as Jesus lives. And he tries to undo those things. And because our world is sinful and broken, sometimes our communities and our church communities are not perfect because they're made up of sinful people. And even in church communities, we experience pain, we experience loneliness and isolation, as I've been speaking about. But the reality is that in communities, we're still being shaped and transformed into the image of Jesus. Jesus. Sometimes it's in learning how to forgive one another. How to receive a comment in grace with a little bit of truth mixed into it that actually begins to shape us and make us look more like Jesus. Because the reality is we need one another. We need community to help us overcome our sins, to encourage us, to be able to point us back to Jesus, to pray for us so that we might gain healing in our lives. Because we as a community need to grow and we need to change in order to become more like Jesus. Please, won't you stand with me? I'd love for us to close our eyes as the the band begins to play. love to think through some of the steps as i've been speaking about community this morning Been speaking about a a community who's devoted and committed to one another maybe what are some of the steps that we as people need to take in this community of harbor city in order for us to call it home in order for us to be more committed in order for us to open up our lives and share our lives with people as we do life together as we become vulnerable as we ask people to actually come and encourage us and point us to jesus as we ask people to get involved in our lives, as we ask people to point out things that actually are not great, that are stumbling blocks in our journey towards Jesus. Maybe it's joining a life group. Maybe you've been visiting here for a long time and you don't know anybody. Maybe it's coming and joining us more regularly, not just coming once every two or three months. Maybe it's inviting some people around to your home or asking somebody out for a cup of coffee. maybe some of us have been offended by somebody in this church and we need to forgive them and have a conversation with them maybe we need to confess our sins and be vulnerable with some people maybe for some of us we need to step up and engage with others we need to invite them round we need to sit down and have a conversation I'd love us all to just close our eyes as we look to God this morning as we engage with him Holy Spirit won't you come and do something in our hearts Won't you speak to us? Won't you talk to us about the things in our lives that we need to change, that we need to put in place, the effort that we need to take on in our roles in becoming more like you? Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to look like you. We want to be discipled by you. We want to do that in the community of this church, Jesus, in the context that you've placed us in a space that is safe, in a space that is full of love and of people who love you. If you're feeling lonely this morning, I'd love you as every single eye is closed. Actually, just to put up your hand. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Maybe nobody's phoned you for a while to check how you are. Maybe nobody knows what you're going through. Jesus, I pray that actually for all of us who are feeling lonely this morning, that we would feel your love like we've never felt before thank you, God, that actually we would feel the love of a community of people who is pursuing you, who is being discipled by you, who actually, Jesus, that there would be phone calls this week, there would be discussions, there would be meals shared, because we actually want to be a a people and a community and a church who draws the lonely in, God, who draws the lonely into family. I pray, Jesus, that we would see your love being so perfectly displayed this week as we engage with one another, as we share meals together, as we talk with one another, as we pray with one another. Jesus, we know that you endured loneliness on the cross to reconcile us to God. We're so grateful for what you did for us on the cross, and our sins can be forgiven in you, and we worship you together this morning.